Well, hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm delighted to be here uh, for the premiere episode, episode number one of our new podcast called Strategy and the Virtual Controller. My name is Damien Greathead and I am sitting in a wet, saturated Sydney, Australia at the moment. Um, but my co-host, Penny Breslin, I hope the weather is better in, in San Diego. Penny, how are you? I'm doing fine. It's about uh, 70 degrees and the sun is shining and it's a beautiful day in San Diego as usual. Fantastic. So ladies and gentlemen, strategy in the virtual controller. Penny and I have been working together for 10, 12, 15 years now uh, <laughs> on off and on, uh, on, a, on a variety of, of projects. And in recent weeks and months, we've been talking more and more about challenges facing the, the, the accounting industry, the bookkeeping industry, and how we can help with our combined experiences, how we can help practitioners and, and business owners build better business. Uh, the title, Strategy in the Virtual Controller, that comes from a, a, a book called Strategy in the Fat Smoker by a guy called David Meister. And it's a really interesting read because it was a, a self-reflection. He was overweight, obese, he was a smoker, um, and he knew that uh, to, live, <laughs> to live beyond 50, all of that needed to change. But despite his best efforts, um, he was never able to um, until he, he made quite significant changes in, in his daily routine. Um, he knew what he had to do and he knew the importance of doing it, but making those changes, making those habits on a daily basis was incredibly difficult and incredibly challenging. And that's where the idea for strategy in the virtual controller has come from. Uh, we know uh, change is difficult. Uh, we know moving from uh, hourly billing models to fixed pricing. We know people management is difficult. Uh, and so the idea of strategy in the virtual controller is to talk through with our listeners uh, different strategies to help practitioners make practical changes in their business so that they can have better work-life balance, so they can better service their clients, so their team members have more fulfilling lives. And so that really is the idea of strategy in the virtual controller, uh, is for Penny and I to share our experiences of working with accountants and bookkeepers around the world, helping them set up their businesses that are more process-driven, that are more technology-enabled, uh, and give listeners the confidence uh, that they're not alone in this whole process. And so, Penny, why don't I hand over to you and, and you give us a little bit of your background, um, some of your experiences, and, and, and what you're doing uh, with Money Penny. Hi. Okay. Uh, let's see. I started off uh, getting into uh, working with accountants by accident. I think it was kicking a filing cabinet that caused it. <laughs> when I tried to do uh, bookkeeping and realized that uh, immediately that I didn't know anything about what I was doing. And at that time I was a high school history teacher. So had changed, moved out of the state that I was certified in and hadn't certified in a new state. So took over the bookkeeping for our family business and totally messed it up. Um, had a little program called QuickBooks Desktop. Didn't know what I was doing. Got frustrated, couldn't find a manual on it. Uh, took a six week bookkeeping class at the local community college. Uh, came back, sat down, fixed all my mistakes uh, by figuring out the rules of the database of that program with the rules of accounting and bookkeeping and then wrote 
all the steps I did. And we sold it to accountants to teach them how to teach their clients how to use QuickBooks. And uh, about, oh, probably about four or five years after that, I was invited to India to teach Indian accountants how to use QuickBooks. Um, spent about uh, 10 days training about 50 Indian accountants. This was like 2002. And, um, and realized that there was an opportunity because most of the clients, the accounting firms we were working with at the time were like overwhelmed with the amount of work that they had to do. And we had already been pushing the idea of hosted solutions because we had started hosting uh, QuickBooks in 1999. Um, so uh, long story short, I ended up opening up an outsourcing company in Bangalore. Um, left that eventually and went to work for two years for a firm that specialized in restaurant um, accounting management and out of Mumbai. And then after two years in Mumbai, I went and worked for a year in Pune and then um, kind of decided I was gonna get out of this business and go back to something I enjoyed doing, which at the time was um, making uh, topical cannabis products and selling them to dispensary, medical dispensaries. And, and then I ran into Damien when I was introducing a, uh, a young man who was building an app. Uh, I took him to an accounting conference and ran into Damien. He said, before you leave, Penny, <laughs> write down everything you do to manage the insourcing of a client's work so an outsourced accountant can do it. So I did. And, and the other story really yeah. took off. <laughs> and, and one of the reasons for that, because um, when, when you're doing the bookkeeping for your business or for your clients and you're perhaps sitting in the room with the actual account, uh, with the client, and you can go through all of the source documents and sit there side by side and ask questions. I mean, it's a terribly inefficient process, obviously, but there's no real need for process uh, because you're sat there by, uh, by the, the client and you're able to ask the questions that you need and then enter the information appropriately. But, but when you do outsource... Um, to whether it's to, uh, to an accounting firm or whether you outsource the, the accounting to a, a firm in India, it requires an enormous amount of process, doesn't it? Yes. And in, in, in the same process, and this is something I, I try to tell accountants, like the same thing I'm giving you, the same steps I need from you to perform my job and for my team to perform their job for you efficiently and timely and in a costly fashion. That's the same thing you need to do with your client to bring the work in. So when I'm telling you or I'm teaching you or I'm encouraging you to use certain products, it's because they're efficient. And I know they're gonna speed this up and not speed it up to the point of mistakes, but speed it up to the point of clarity. You need to do the same thing. You can't, you, if you get garbage in, you're eventually going to shove garbage out to us. And that doesn't benefit me. It doesn't benefit the people that work for me. And it doesn't benefit you. Well, it's the same thing with your clients. There is, there's, there's a decision you have to make. Who's going to run your company? You 
your clients, your employees, or the technology? And or is it going to be a mutually agreed upon solution by all of you? But in any case, there always has to be one person driving this. And, you know, that person is the process manager and it can be you, it can be somebody else. But if you don't have it organized coming in, what you're going to get coming out of that is going to be a mess. Whether you keep it in-house or you outsource it to somebody in, in your country or you outsource it offshore, whatever. If you don't have it organized coming in, it's always going to be a nightmare. And I think, Penny, that, that where we met was the first QuickBooks Connect, wasn't it? Uh, no, or, that, or where was, we, that was... We ran into each other again. No, where we met up again with where you had brought that app developer down. It was QuickBooks Connect, wasn't it? No, it wasn't QuickBooks Connect. It was actually the... Uh... Uh, LA Accounting and Technology. Oh, the, the flag show, started, my goodness. Yes, they had started <laughs> QuickBooks Connected. This was like 2014. Okay, so I, th I think QuickBooks Connect was probably uh, maybe later that year. But I remember now as the flag show um, at the yeah. LAX Hilton, mm -hmm. um, yep. free hot dogs on the, on the, the ground floor. So hopefully a few listeners will remember the good old days of, of that. But it, but it was a really interesting... Um, time happening in the accounting space in that QuickBooks was uh, QuickBooks online was gathering momentum zero yes. had obviously been in the marketplace for, yes. a, for a couple of years but also there was this explosion of these applications yes. like the receipt banks like the Zen payrolls way back then uh, bill.com uh, that were looking at different parts of the bookkeeping function and 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 technology was was starting to do more of the heavy lifting of these particular steps in the bookkeeping process and yeah. and that sort of that that came at around the same time that accounting firms recognized that with the right technology the right people and the right process they could insource the bookkeeping work from their clients um, and make it a, a significant revenue stream and, and a significant profit center for the accounting firm. Well, yeah, and at the same time, these same apps were telling them, you know, we're going to take a lot of the heavy lifting out, which means you're not going to spend a lot of time doing data entry, which yeah. means you really can't justify the billable hours. So you have to change your pricing model. And the pricing model was flat rate. And the favorite one, and I... Zero were, were the best ones at starting this. Is the three package deal, the bronze, the mm -hmm. silver, the, yep. the this startup, da 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 da. All that so makes it easy to read, makes it easy on the website, makes it easy to deliver the sell through. You know, and every firm had to become a marketing firm now. Every accounting firm, marketing was big, and that's all well and good, and you can you can do that all day long, but the real sweet spot on the profit comes from you having the time to have the relationship with the client that you just sold bookkeeping for $300 a month at. But you're not gonna make your money by doing that because you're gonna run out of capacity before you can make profit, right? You're gonna run out of scalability is the word, I guess I would like to use is scalability. You can't scale it. Um, unless you have a big outsourcing firm behind you. Okay, this is, I have a client, uh, a firm in Austin, 
And, uh, and we were talking about this uh, probably two or three months ago. And he, I said, he said something and, and I said, can I quote you on that? He said, you can quote me on it because you're the one who told me to do this four years ago. And it was one of those conferences you had set up uh, after we wrote the book, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, apps are not the answer. The relationship and talking to the client is. And that from a CPA who, when I met him in 2016, Bailey knew what QuickBooks Online was, had never had a QuickBooks Online client, had one zero client, and had no clue what to do with it. And he doesn't do taxes anymore. He does CFO services for a select group of clients. And I think that's a really interesting thing, Penny, is the role of accountant, bookkeeper, CPA has, has fundamentally changed uh, in the last 10 years. And it's, it's changed from the technician doing the actual work, plugging the information into QuickBooks or into the tax software uh, and spitting out the reports and then technically uh, telling the client what the report says. So it's gone from that technician to very much the relationship side of things. And rather than keying data, it's all about controlling the flow of data now, isn't it? And making yeah. sure that the data is flowing from the right source into the right, uh, into the right destination. Into the right ledger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're traffic cops. Yeah. That's what, and that's what my team calls themselves. They say we're trap, we're the traffic police and we're sitting there going, yeah, that, that's good. That's good. That goes there. That goes there. And, and, and is there a duplication of effort here? Or is there a duplication of data being fed in because we've got expenses and we've got payroll and we've got time and we've got bank feeds and credit card feeds and e-commerce feeds and merchant accounts. And where is there any kind of crossover duplication or sometimes the robot didn't understand it, mm -hmm. um, you know, and there's, you know, but I do believe that not only has there been a huge shift and in, in, in zero led the charge, but QuickBooks Connect really changed the attitude of bookkeepers. I mean, the first time I went there, it was like, you know, I ran into people that I had known for years and they, they're scratching their head. They're going, I don't get it. And the next time I went there, it was like light dawn over Marblehead. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Marblehead's very much on the East Coast outside of Boston. And you, you'd always say when somebody, you know, a light bulb went off, light dawned over Marblehead. Sorry, a little bit um, geographic humor there. But um, it, it was like a, an opening up of, wow, I get it. I think I can make this work. Now that was for surprisingly small to medium sized bookkeeping firms. I saw some accounting firms obviously were there, some CPAs were there, but the, the bigger the firm, the less buy into this. And one of the things I do with firms that I worked with that were a little bit larger, it would be like, have you thought about just not sending you? Have you thought about sending your team? So like the third year of QuickBooks Connect and, and the fourth year of ZeroCon, I was telling my clients, you need to send your whole team. Here are the people yeah. from your side of the of yeah. 
the firm that need to go to this training because they got to buy the Kool-Aid because you can buy the Kool-Aid all you want. You can take it back to your office, but if you don't get them involved, if you don't get them tied into this, if they don't see the dream, if they don't re, if they're not dialed into their radio station, listening to what's in it for me, FM, then you're not going to get this to work. And, uh, and that's absolutely true. And, and I think also uh, moving from these traditional business models, but also traditional roles. And, and that was one of the things that we were discussing when we uh, were thinking about the title of, of this podcast, we, we wanted to move away from accounting and bookkeeping um, because their functions, their tasks, uh, and that's where this idea of controller came to mind because there is the, the traditional role of, of a financial controller, uh, but more and more the, the, the accounting firms that we're working with, uh, their role has moved from technician to being very much this controller flow of data, flow of information. And I think that's a really important part. Uh, is, is sort of renaming, reclassifying. I mean, bookkeeping for, for all intents and purposes, bit of a misnomer at the moment or a, anymore because we don't use books. Um, and it, it really is managing that flow of data from all of those data sources, making sure that it gets into the right spot. Um, as you said, the duplication and, and helping the traditional bookkeeper for, for want of a better word, helping them understand the, the change that they're going to go through as well, absolutely critical to success because we do see that a lot, don't we? That the partner, the owner, they want this. Um, they, they recognize that the billing by the hour is, is, isn't going to be for them because technology is doing a lot of the heavy lifting, but they're then paying their team by the hour. Mm -hmm. And so there's this disconnect through the business because if I'm sitting there as... Uh, what I was a traditional bookkeeper being paid by the hour. And then all of a sudden this technology, a bill.com, a receipt bank and a gusto are going to come in and take over a lot of the traditional tasks that I was doing. There's not much what's in it for me in there. If anything, that's taking away hours from my day, which is how I get compensated. So there's a real disconnect through the organization, isn't there, Penny? Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, people shouldn't be afraid of the future. Uh, I know many people, you know, like I grew up reading science fiction books. Uh, you know, I'm like, <laughs> cut my teeth on Star Trek, you know, that kind of thing. Went to Star Trek conventions, you know, the whole night before Comic-Con even existed. My kids thought I was insane. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, there's this book called I, uh, The Robots Are Coming by uh, a guy named Oppenheimer. And there is a chapter that he does on this for accountants and financial people. And it's funny because he wrote this book about four years ago and that section of what he describes the future accounting firm is gonna look like. You know, there was an article in Inc. Magazine just last week describing, this is what the future of accounting is gonna look like. And, and years ago, we used to talk about how accountants had centers of influence. You knew the local banker in your town, you knew the local insurance agent that you worked with, and you knew the local attorney Then you all kind of shared, um, you know, back the black book, yeah, the referrals, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. But you're gonna add, you're gonna continue those relationships. You're going to be the driver of those relationships for your small business clients. You're going to be the manager because 
you're a small business client, if you think the technology is running you, like is a new app, it does this, blah, 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 blah. You can get this, you can get that. You, your small business owner is getting the same thing. They're getting the same thing from their vertical trade journal, virtual meetings, the whole nine yards. They're getting hammered by their clients. Why don't you take this kind of payment? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? They're getting it too. They're just as, uh, as running as fast as they can on the operational side of their business. They need somebody to hold their hand on the financial side of their business. And they need somebody who can take that financial information and not just produce financial reviewed papers, but tell them, tell them, you can expect this to happen if you continue to do things this way. Point in case, if we have a quick time, because this one was one that really speaks to what happens when you just want to do somebody's tax return. Got a guy last year, uh, the, his tax guy called me up and said, would you just clean up his books and then give them to me and I'll do the tax return. Never seen the guy before, never even met the guy, never talked to him, right? Um, didn't know anything about his business and his name did not describe it. I can guarantee you his name did not describe his business. And so we just went through and we just reconciled, boom, 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 boom. And that's all we were told to do, just to reconcile. I sent it back to him. I said, everything's reconciled. Everything to a T matches. I don't know if anything's allocated correctly because we don't know anything about their business. You didn't tell us anything about it. He goes, don't worry. I know the guy personally. We're going to sit down and I'll iron it all out. Great. This year comes up and he goes, Penny, could you just take him and like actually turn him into your monthly and take over his monthly bookkeeping? Still use that term. We are debit and credit organizer. <laughs> so, so I, I did it and my team reconciled because nothing had been reconciled since the last time we did the books uh, for 2019 to do his tax return. So again, ready to do his 2020 return. And I, I called him up and I'm looking at it and there was some weird stuff in there. And I call him up and I said, Ramon, can I just ask you what kind of business are you in? Which is something his tax accountant should have given me. And I kept on asking him, he never responded. And he goes, well, we do uh, baseball tournaments. And I said, you're that guy. I know who you are. Your team is amazing. I've seen them play in the little leagues. And he does little league, he does training, coaching and, and stuff for little league baseball teams. Does a great job. Um, and that explained a lot of the stuff I would seems like how much money do you spend on batting case? What do you do all day? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And, but the real kicker was at the end when we got his, 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 his income and I looked at his income, compared it to last year and I went, there's something off. There's something really odd here because there were huge deposits that did not match. He had every month, you could see the deposits coming in. He deposited money on the same two days of the month. They were always very similar in size. And there were six instances where the deposits were way too big, right? And I just simply asked him, I said, so what's that money coming from? Did you put money into your company? Because sometimes you'll see somebody do that. And the software automatically says it's income. Yeah. And if somebody's not paying attention to it, they'll just go, okay, accept it as income. 
And he goes, no, I bought a batting machine six times over this year and, and bought it for a client. And then they just reimbursed me. I said, well, <laughs> let's take that off your income. <laughs> <It's gonna> have... <laughs> and he goes, well, why? What, is, what does that mean? And I said, well, I'm sure that your tax accountant at the, he goes, well, we do discuss it at the end of the year. I said, well, it's good for us to know this because now it's going to be separated out as reimbursed income and you know, all this stuff. And, because you know, I we knew that he was buying bats, and and selling those, but that's different. This was like a even just transport, and so you know, it's kind of like those little things. If the accountant that was doing his tax return had wanted to, could have it taken on this client all year long and, and worked with them on this. Um, those kind of little things, I mean, all it took was a few minute conversation. And now the guy like just thinks I'm like the best thing since sliced bread, which I'm not. And, and, <laughs> and I really, you know, it wouldn't, there's probably a ton more wrong with that file that even I don't know because I don't know jack about counting, but that was obvious to me. And, um, but those are the kinds of, that meeting, he said, how will you send me a contract and how soon can I sign up with you? I had no intention of taking him on as a client. I didn't particularly want that kind of a client. It's not the kind of client I want. I want firms. I want accounting firms and bookkeeping firms, CPA firms. I'm and turning Penny, business away. Yeah. And Penny, and I think that's absolutely right because you, you sort of talked about some articles in Inc. Magazine and, and Oppenheimer and that type of stuff, which will be available on the website as well that you can download and have a read of. But a lot of these websites talk about how accountants and uh, bookkeepers, they're the, they're the, the accounting and bookkeeping industry is the one most ripe um, for, for the machines to take over. Yes. Um, where, whereas they, they sort of rank the different industries and all that type of stuff. And, and accountants is typically in the top five where um, uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence, et cetera, are going to take over the, 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 the industry. But your example right there, Penny, is demonstrates the transformation that uh, the practitioners need to make. So rather than technicians, they need to be the ones looking over the books, having the conversations with the clients, um, flagging anomalies. That's really the new role of the accountant and bookkeeper. And they're not going away. Artificial learning, machine, um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, not going to replace the accountant, uh, the controller, the bookkeeper. Uh, they will replace the data entry, the and 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 those functional steps and tasks in the bookkeeping or accounting process, but they're not going. They'll never replace the relationship of picking up the phone and saying, "Ramon, what, what what's happening in this business? Because this doesn't look right to me." That will never go away. The really exciting thing, though, is I can do that with a much broader client base. Have those types of relationships than if I was doing the, the debits and credits manually for, for a, a much smaller number of, of clients. Because I mean, Penny, if, you, if you're doing the books, the physical books, what, 12 clients a month is pretty much how much one person yeah. can handle? You do it, well, if you're doing it the old fashioned way, definitely. Doing the old fashioned way. Whereas leverage technology, um, I mean, I, I've seen uh, sole practitioners doing the monthly bookkeeping for 60 and 70 clients. 
Oh, easily. Um, yeah, I have yeah. clients like that. I have yeah. sole practitioner accounting uh, bookkeeping firms who do. They outsource it to us and they can have that relationship because we give them the space to have the time for the client. Exactly. We don't and, want and, that relationship. I just proved it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want this. <laughs> But 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 you but whether you're a sole practitioner, whether you're a hundred person firm, uh, the the value that you bring to the relationship is the relationship is the the ability to pick up the phone and say something doesn't look right. Uh, do you have ten minutes to talk through this, or what do you want to achieve out of your business? Where do you want to go? Um, but we've got to leverage technology. We've got to identify the get the right processes in place, get the right team on board, the right clients. Um, that would allow because us to we can add the leverage most... technology because yes. technology yeah. is out there. We get to do this. Yeah. We get to do the fun part. If you find having the relationship with the client is the fun part. Not everybody does. Yeah. You have to figure that out about yourself. And I think that's probably where our, our next podcast will dive into. It, it's identifying what it is that makes you happy. What are the, what are the activities that you want to do? Say what again. Do you want to do? Yeah, and and if you want to run a kick-ass payroll company, fantastic. If Good. you want to run a kick-ass tax department, fantastic. Um, well, I would do. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. And you because can, you can, if you just decide that's what you want to do. Whereas there's a lot of um, everyone out there, not, not everyone, but there's a lot of pressure out there to become this trusted advisor and, and pushing people into this trusted advisor type role. I don't quite know what trusted advisor is. And maybe that's a whole nother podcast that we can talk about. What is advisory? Um, but yes, that's definitely, I think I, you asked me that and I said, well, when I, I do a definition pull on it, just for financial and accounting firms, there are 20 different definitions of it. Yeah. You know. And the, the whole premise of this podcast is to sort of look at all the strategies to grow your practice are out there, to grow your business, they're out there. But it's about identifying who you are and where you want to take your business and then the practical steps to get you there. And so that really is the, the premise of this podcast is not to push you into a, push a, a round peg into a square hole. Um, no, that's not right. A, a square peg into a round hole, <laughs> not to try and force you down a particular path, but instead to give you the confidence to say, this is what I want my business to be. And this, these are the practical steps that I'm going to take uh, to get there. And, and, um, across the experiences of, of, of Penny and I, uh, and then we'll bring special guests in to share their experiences as well. Um, we'll, we'll share with you how firms around the country and around the world are building kick-ass payroll businesses, building um, robust tax departments, building uh, virtual controller and, and, and part-time CFO businesses. Um, and We'll also share with you some horror stories along the way uh, and the lessons that we've learned. So Penny, I'm really excited to, that we've got our first episode under, under our belt or we're about to have our first episode under, under our belt. Thank you very much for giving me the kick up the ass to, uh, to, to get this uh, off the ground. Uh, and I'm really excited that we can use this podcast uh, to share our experiences um, that, we, that we've gained uh, from working together across the, the, the last 10, 15 years. Well, I just hope it's valuable to people. Uh, we do. We have had quite a bit of uh, variance on experiences on countries and on sizes of firms. So um, it's uh, and dealing with apps. 
Yeah. You know, we both dealt with them for, right from the get-go. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not the end all of everything. It's not the beginning of everything. It's just another tool in the toolbox. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I, we won't be the ones giving you the latest updates and nope. the latest news on the apps. Um, head over to David Leary and Blake Oliver, their accounting, uh, cloud accounting podcast. They're, they're really great in terms of keeping, keeping you up to date with what's happening on the app space. But as Penny said, the app is a, is a tool, but it's, it's every practitioner, every business has the same access to that app. So it's how you implement it. Uh, with your clients and with your team that is going to, to, to be what success or, or, or how we can base success? Well, let's first define what we want our success to be. Mayan wasn't taking that client. Yeah. You have Good to point. learn to say no. So next episode on strategy in the virtual controller, we're going to talk about defining what it is you want, what it is that you don't want, and, and why that's important to laying the foundation to, uh, to your successful business. So Penny, really excited. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, satvc.co is the website for links to the articles for sign up to the newsletter, et cetera. So that's satvc.co. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Strategy and the Virtual Controller. Bye.